Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of TRO Signal. This is Richard Earls, the publisher of Travel Research Online, speaking to you from Tallahassee, Florida. Today, my co-host, Linda Filippi, and I will be interviewing Christina Ernst from the beautiful mountains of North Georgia. Christina has been in the travel industry for about 20 years and is the owner of VIP Travel. But today, we're going to be speaking with Christina about another project of hers, VIP Southern Tours. Linda, would you agree that it takes a lot of courage to be a travel professional? Oh, definitely. Yes. You're putting yourself out there on the line each and every day with clients, but how much additional courage do you think it might take to buy a fleet of luxury vans and become a tour operator? Well, I think that's a a gigantic uh, financial and emotional and business commitment. So, yeah, that's that's takes a lot of nerve. Well, Christina, you've got one foot in the retail travel world and you've got one foot in the tour operator world. And I can remember a post that you made several years ago about the purchase of a number of luxury vans. And I could almost feel the fear and trembling involved in that post. I could almost sense that you were gung-ho and yet there was this reserve of what have I done? Tell me about that decision to become a tour operator and what it involved emotionally. Definitely a lot emotionally. Or I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit where just things when they tug at me or when I see something in it, I want to create it. And there was a so back in here in North Georgia, back in the twenty in about 2012, 2013, there were just three vineyards, maybe four. And um, they were trying to figure out how to get people from point A to point B or how to bring in more business. And they brought the county commissioners and business owners. We sat down together with some informal meetings and threw some ideas around. And I was throwing ideas out there with the bus, how to create a great experience, what we should do. And I just went home at night and, you know, would talk this out loud with my husband and and just I'm like, you know, why am I not doing this? Why why am I giving away my passionate trade secrets or things that uh, you know, I've learned over 20 plus years in the travel industry to them for someone else to just buy this product and create it. And so I decided to do it myself. And all the years of traveling around the globe and experiencing shore excursions or wine country excursions, other tours, and then my own personal tours that I've done overseas. And I've taken over 500 people overseas. And I actually created the very first Christmas market tour back in 1994. Wow. And we started, yeah. And so we were the very first operator here in the USA that started taking people overseas. And I could not believe how much that grew. And so I had visitors or guests from Australia, Canada, all over the US. And and we would visit factories and incorporate Christmas markets in some of the bigger towns. This was even before they were known. So I've always had that entrepreneurial, let's just try it. And hopefully it doesn't hurt too bad uh, if, it, if I fail or fall. And that did very well for a while. And Due to demand and larger companies out there, competitors, 
it, it just became so saturated in the market, plus the river cruises, you know, out there. So I kind of branched away from that. It was just pretty much running a full service travel agency. But there was a passion um, that ignited in me once talking to these wineries to create a product. And so I spent months doing research. I wasn't, I knew I didn't want to just rent a vehicle and start driving around the area. I wanted to bring more to the people. How can I incorporate more local businesses and incorporate a product and make it hopefully financially sound as well because investing in a vehicle insurance all the overhead is not cheap and so I decided to create an all-inclusive wine tour product where people pay one price they get a great lunch they get to choose from at one of these beautiful vineyards that we have in these you know rolling mountains here and all the wine tastings are included so that was how I started the product and that is still how I I, at first, I started with four or five wineries, and then we realized that is way too much wine at the end of the day, and people weren't even enjoying it by the time they hit their fourth vineyard, and the wineries didn't enjoy that either. So we we found that three is our magic number. We worked with different places for lunch to incorporate that, so it's a great experience with the wine tasting, and it has been it has really worked out for us, and it's been a lot of fun. It yeah. strikes me that passion for that local business and that local community spirit have a lot to do with your decision. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. And then, so that was going really well. I actually purchased my first bus from California Wine Tours and we brought it cross country. I just sold it, I guess, two months ago. So I had, I purchased that in 2013 and I was a little nervous and hesitant. I, I think my next, the, what you're talking about was probably in 2015, maybe 2016 when we, I kind of bit the bullet and purchased a few more vehicles. And I was, I was purchasing used vehicles and just making big decisions like that was a little scary and hesitant on it. But, you know, you just never know what's around the corner. I mean, take a look at this year. So it's been a great decision the way we've been handling it and running it. And I haven't looked back. Um, I was going to ask you. So, do you do you do like a seven person van or a nine person van? What you you do like to keep your groups fairly small? I'm assuming. Yeah. So one of the things, and again, all of this was part of how I wanted the vehicle to be. I wanted people to be able to step into the vehicle and stand up in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I never liked was going on short excursions or tours or anywhere and having to duck into a van or step around foldable seats. And so I wanted it. If, if if they're going to be spending the money to have a great vehicle. So all of my vehicles are, they average 14 seats. They have the okay. individual leather seats, step on, big panoramic windows, just a real comfortable ride. Because some of these vineyards, we have a lot of uh, really curvy back roads around here in North Georgia. And oh, so yeah. When, you know, you're drinking wine and um, in a, in a, vehicle for 15 minutes going around 20, 30 <laughs> curves. It's not fun. And we want them, you know, we want it to be a comfortable experience. To really feel luxury. I mean, if it's, you say VIP, mm-hmm. then people really do expect it. That next level up be, be behind, popped in the back of the same minivan that you haul the kids to soccer in. It's exactly. got to be a luxury yeah. experience. Yes. Yeah. 
Linda and I are both uh, wine aficionados, but I'm thinking you probably know a bit more about wine than we do. What's your relationship with wine? <laughs> well, I, I definitely have a relationship with wine. Um, I've always had one, but it's definitely grown more since I've started these wine tours with, uh, I guess, the appreciation has because, you know, just to be able to see how it's made, how each vineyard or winemaker, pretty much how what they do to make their own wine special and their passion about it has definitely created that experience for me. So I never thought I would be here. And that's what at this point in my life. And so that's been great. And I mean, every vineyard here is unique. So we had five or six vineyards back in 2012, 2013, and maybe 15 across the state. And now we have close to 70 with the vineyards, tasting rooms, just they're just doing well. And, you know, a lot of people don't think Georgia as being a destination for vineyards. And what's really interesting, you know, this was a vineyard destination in the nine, uh, early nine, 1900s, late 1800s. And but then Prohibition took that away from Georgia. And so what our climate is like is is like in southern France. And the soil content is very similar to that in California and Sonoma and Napa. However, we have the humidity here in Georgia, unlike California. But so you have these great environments that just come together. And these vineyards are growing incredible wines, putting our wineries on the map in the area. So you have estate wines that are grown. It's not muscadine because that's what a lot of people think about. And of course you do have your sweet wines and muscadine wines and fruit wines. And we, but there's only a handful of, there's probably more than a handful now, but quite a few of them that do that. But you have one that has won quite a few awards with the San Francisco, the wine chronicle competition. A lot of them blend in old world style wines. And then, you know, just a lot of them have estate wines such as Chardonnay, Cabernets. And then one of my favorites that we tend to go to, they've been, we've been working together since the beginning is the cottage. And they have that, they sit on top of a mountain and you just have these views that it go on for miles. And they tend to be a hit with the younger crowds because they have wine slushies, but they also have their own Syrah, Merlot, Viognier's, you know, so it just makes it very unique. Every winery in the area make is it has something unique to offer to the table, and and that's what makes it for a really fun day. I was going to yeah. ask you. So you you can do you give them their choice of the three wineries, or do you say we could do these three or these three or these three based on like the similarities, maybe in the style of wines that they're doing or the proximity to one another? How do you how do you create your tours? We had a lot more options pre-COVID and we would be able to make it work with a set, you know, just kind of rotate between quite a few of them. And just we work it out with the group and the time. Our standard tours, we work with just a handful that gives a great experience for the groups and rotate them. But we do get a lot of private groups and repeat guests. So we add different vineyards into that mix, you know, also depending if the group, you know, we try to see what they're looking for to make it a great experience. So we do everything from corporate outings, team buildings to bachelorette 
girlfriend's getaways. One of our popular ones is a tour called Aged Perfection. So if someone's celebrating a milestone birthday, they tend to be 40 or 50 years old. We'll, we'll find out what their favorites are. And we always tend to surprise them with little extras, whether it's little gifts, chocolates, everything, you know, just yeah. enjoy their day. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was, in addition to the wineries, because as you say, you know, one can only drink so much wine in a given day, and you were mentioning how much you you love nature and the outdoors and things like that. So are there other natural attractions that you take people to during the course of the day, uh, during the course of a tour? So we have definitely a lot of scenery and history here Mm -hmm. in our area. Um, The trail of tears actually began in the in this valley where I live, the Saltina Coochie Valley. We one of the governors, uh, former governors back and I guess what 1930s, Governor Hardman has a beautiful farm here. And we have a very one of the, the most scenic or most photographed site in entire in the entire state of Georgia, which is the Saltina Coochie Indian Mound. And that was dug up by the Smithsonian back in the early 1900s. And they decided uh, Governor Hardman decided to keep to seal it after and um, he put a gazebo on it and it's a beautiful shot that if you google north georgia it comes up in quite a few so we what we do is we train we train our drivers to be actual tour guides so you're not you know anybody can rent a driver for the day and, and go anywhere but our driver does stop at these scenic spots between the vineyards and tell them about it give them a little history my end goal is to make them want to come back for more. I live five miles from the third most visited destination in the state of Georgia after Atlanta and Savannah, which is Helen, Georgia. It's a little German town. And so it's very, very popular, gets millions of visitors, but somehow a lot of those visitors aren't necessarily my clients. So my clients are the ones looking for outdoors, nature, what to do. They Google it. And the wine tours have actually, over the years, become a destination in themselves. So before everybody knew who he- what Helen, Georgia was, and now we're having these guests call us from all over the Southeast, and they're, they're like, what's Helen? You know, where do we stay? And so it's been interesting to be able to say, here's a bonus, this great little area to explore and not just make it one night getaway, turn it into a weekend destination. So not only is it helping the local economy with accommodations, it's restaurants after you've been enjoying wine all day, you want a nice meal, shopping. And so I feel like it's a definite value for our community. Absolutely wonderful, actually. And I was thinking when you were talking about this, that, you know, people, they they know they want to do something and they know that they want to go there. And like you said, they've heard of it, but they don't know everything. And so rather than just go and say, oh, we'll just wander around downtown and see what there is, mm-hmm. to have a curated experience where you're saying, here, I'm a local, let me show you, let me, you know, let me guide you. And, and so that they can really make the most of, what's the same thing, what, why you use a, you know, a travel advisor. It's because you don't have to just flail around in the dark by yourself. You can, you can actually have the kind of experience that you were really hoping for. Exactly, yeah. So, Christina, I have to know, do you receive inquiries from the travel agency community for your tours? Um, I do. I do receive them and we do work with them when they reach out to us. In the past, it's not been a big thing. So just I, I have a lot of uh, person, some of my dearest friends are travel professionals. And 
without them, without us all working as a team, we couldn't do this. So I will pay commissions to agents. I know how the value in what they do, what we do. And so I do, but so this year I'm starting to see more agents as COVID has closed our international borders. Um, we are having more agents reach out to us. We just had one reach out to us from Atlanta yesterday, putting wanting to put together a group. And so I'll do my best to help however I can to make it successful and not only, you know, to make it look good in their eyes too. So if they tell me it's just the same, if we being on the travel agent side and we book a resort or a destination and we work with, you know, something to trigger, try to figure out what you know, hopefully that hotel will deliver a little something special on our behalf or a note. We tr- I try to do the same if I know a travel agent oh, has that's been in a group. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Where does where does most of your business come from? Are your guests well? They're not international this year, clearly, but mm-hmm. in the past, are they mostly the southeast or all over? How does it work? Yeah, so most of our guests have always been the Atlanta market. Okay. So Atlanta's a big, because we are um, 90 minutes northeast of Atlanta, we're a quick and easy drive. We're a weekend destination. And so that's been really big for us. Our next biggest destination has been Florida. We're on this path that where travelers that live up north or have a home in Florida or vice versa, they stop by in our beautiful area. The Appalachian Trail starts or ends here, whichever way you look at it. We have beautiful okay. leaves. And and so it's there's just so much to offer in the area. And But I'm seeing more and more guests now from further on out. Just the other day, I spoke with a guest that's come to see us in the past, and she wanted to know when was, you know, when could she get here next week, and what was a confirmed departure date, and uh, she was from Mississippi and just wanted to come to North Georgia again, and so it really makes me happy to see the guests coming from all over, and we are seeing uh, more from North and South Carolina now, more from the surrounding states, and that's been that's just been exciting for me. Do they tend to arrive by car? Are these mostly they do. okay? So they're driving in, and they will stay perhaps a weekend or whatever. If, mm-hmm. Usually, if they're from further away, okay, that's great. I bet yeah. you have a lot of museums and things like that in your area too. A lot of cultural attractions. Yeah, so, absolutely. and that is something that I'm looking for. I've been so busy as a as a travel professional. I haven't had a chance to work on other projects, but that is something that I want to do more: is to do these day tours to see more of our beautiful uh, attractions and maybe work with some other local businesses or farming areas and try to come up with some unique product. And so, I do have some things that I'm projects that I'm working on. Hopefully I'll get to them sooner than later, but right now the wine tours are doing real well for us. There's a huge interest right now in road trips Mm -hmm. and that's become more and more prominent as international travel has backed off. So I'm guessing that you've had to incorporate some protocols of your own for your tours. Tell, Tell us how you've dealt with the COVID situation. Yes. So Georgia was not shut down for very long. 
it was very scary. And, and I think I was very stressed with the travel, as every travel professional can relate, from March through May. Um, I supported a lot of the local wineries very heavily at that time frame because they were selling out the out the door. <laughs> so, and you, we have quite a few COVID policies in place with our drivers, with uh, keeping the buses clean before and after, offering sanitizer to the guests. We do do recommend masks, but they're not required for our pub our public tours. But we also ask our get our we have a lot of guests ask us what are our protocols. So if they want their driver to wear a mask and their group to wear a mask, we one hundred percent follow that whatever the client wants. And we again or we have when they sign up for a tour on our website, they have to acknowledge the COVID terms that we have if they're feeling unwell and to let us know in advance and the same thing with our drivers too to give us a heads up if if they're feeling if if we need to make any changes so the same with the vineyards the wineries are all practicing social distancing so it's been a blessing to have this relationship in place with them so we have our reserved areas every weekend or pretty much every day for them because the wineries Georgia is doing so well. I found out that a few of the wineries had over 2,000 people show up over the, in one day over these last weekends. We're talking about oh um, places that would normally seat inside 40 people, but the people are going out into picnicking in the vines, you know, just, but it's, it's definitely, I don't think any of us were expecting this boom for local visitation. And so we have, we are now, it has limited us because for safety standards and the quality that we give our clients, there's only um, a handful that we can work with now on a regular basis where we feel that they're doing the best for keep, you know, keeping our, you know, keeping our groups separate, you know, giving them the best attention that they need regarding the wine tasting experience. And so it's been a little bit of a challenge, but it's where it's working out well for it. Oh, congratulations. I mean, that's wonderful news, honestly. Localities are making up to some extent for what international has lost. That's very encouraging. And I'm hoping that the travel professional industry picks up on that because that's an important way of modifying your business mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to stay flexible for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things, a lot of the accommodations in the area are cabin rentals or individually owned hotels. And I've tried to speak with a lot of them over the years and the value of offering, you know, trying to work with a travel agent for commissions or payment. And we have now more options that have uh, popped up over just the last two or three years. So if a travel agent was savvy enough, they could definitely market a wonderful package and find a way to keep it going during these difficult times. Do you have much competition in your area? Have a lot of other people picked up the concept of wine tour and the copycat thing? Yeah, so I was the very first one back in 2013. And I would say if you were to Google it, there are probably 40 competitors now from the Atlanta market onward. I believe Um, it. And I think I just have a couple here locally. It bothered me at first because I worked so hard to create the the all-inclusive product and get it. And then, you know, to see all the copycats where they literally had taken what took me months and months and years to cultivate. But our reviews speak for themselves, the product, and I have enough confidence that I'm 
keeping it the way it is with constantly offering the best and not cutting corners. And that, I feel like that's making a difference, just our little extras. So I, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, sometimes you can look at it two ways. You can think, oh my gosh, but, or you can look at it like we look at every other, uh, every other travel advisor. There's plenty mm-hmm. for everybody, you know, plenty to go around. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the type of an experience that you offer may not be exactly what somebody else does, but that might appeal more to another client as well. I wanted to ask you how you're dealing with lunches these days. Are you doing them as like boxed lunches or are you having, do the wineries have catering facilities? How does that work exactly? So for us, we've always worked with local caterers and restaurants to create a wonderful little picnic lunch. And that is still working out for us with type of sandwich or vegetarian option, sides and a small dessert and certain little things like, of course, chocolate always goes well with wine. But then in the summertime, we can't offer it because it melts so quickly. So, you know, we're always having to kind of rethink. And then we see what tends to what people we also value their feedback what foods they like or maybe we have something on our catering menu a certain sandwich and people are not ordering it so we try to stay on top of that and but we create a box lunch and uh, the the drivers pick them up at the beginning of the day before they pick their groups up or their guests up and then the driver puts them in a cooler and then at the vineyard where we have designated for the lunch stop he uh, the the group will be walking around, meeting with the staff, and then the driver will set up a, magically set up a little picnic area for them, and nice. so they just walk over and um, you know their lunch is labeled, and uh, it'll they have an opportunity to buy additional wine or continue their wine tasting with their lunch. Sure, that's great. I love it. I, I assumed it was something along those lines, but I didn't know exactly how you did it. But that's great. I went to a a wine event this past weekend, and it was very you know distanced outdoors. Everything was lovely, but they gave us they call them charcuterie boxes. They were insane. Really, really great. So yeah, that's a good idea. That's been very popular. We have that as an add-on now and almost one per tour orders the charcuterie boards. And so we work with a couple of them to, to give us a really nice product and we're still kind of waiting our way through which ones we're getting the best feedback on. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are really popular. <laughs> they really are. People just and like to nosh, nosh, yeah. nosh, nosh, and you have a little for later. Christina, I don't think we mentioned that Linda is in the wine country of Oregon. I did not know that. I live in the I live in McMinnville and right in the Willamette Valley. And it's interesting when you were talking because when I moved here from the Bay Area in nineteen eighty seven, I think we had about fifty wineries in our state and now we have over six hundred. So it's the same thing. I mean, and I live right smack in the middle of it. I mean right smack in the middle. And when I moved here 30 plus years ago, people said, why are you moving to McMinnville? No one moves to McMinnville. Everybody moves from McMinnville. And now we're at this world-class destination. So you're right on it. You are in a perfect spot. It's going to explode and it, oh. well, as it already is really. But it's interesting how things that th- people thought were so, oh, that's Hickville. Ah, I want to live in a big city. And now all the big city people want to come out to the country and have a rural experience. And I think that there's this, as we spoke about before, there's a huge yearning for nature, for the earth, to, you know, to put your feet on ground and, and look at this up at the sky. That's not 
completely covered over with skyscrapers and things like that. People just need it, especially now, especially during the time where the world feels so uncertain. It's like, what's, what's really certain? Nature. Yes, it so. is. And I, I feel like that has been a big draw, especially from the Atlanta and Greenville, South Carolina market where people were cooped up. And you can't even, real estate has been out the roof. We pick up uh, guests, we have to, now there's a lot of VRBOs or cabin rentals. So you can have these cabins on top of mountains under the stars. Some of them have jacuzzis, some of them have, you know, beautiful big homes or just something just tucked away in the woods along a creek or river. And we do pick up at most of them, but we have found we have to always get addresses and there's so many new ones now. So we're always having to get addresses and people don't realize they're like, well, it says five or six miles, but it could be 30 minutes to get there and <laughs> right. you know, dirt road. And, and there are some that our buses, we can't turn around at the top of a mountain or the driver is not going to risk. There's creek beds and all sorts of things. So we have to be a little careful. There's a little bit more homework that has to be done once they sign up for a tour and request pickup. So those are all the things that we try to offer and, and make it a good experience for them. But yeah, the nature has been the biggest draw here it's you know now it's autumn which is a magical season in north georgia it's our most popular season just so oh, something beautiful oh it is it is now how will this how does it work during the winter once once people are more forced indoors how do you think this will all go well for us we have done very well from mid-january through march um mm-hmm. our biggest mm-hmm. months We're always March and October. We will see, I guess, what COVID does, but a lot of the rental places are completely sold out already for February and March, and we already have quite a few bookings on the books for that time frame. People do yearn to be out here. I think a lot of people expect to come up here and see snow, and unfortunately with global warming, it's just not like it used to be. But we have a lot, but so many of these places have fire pits and the wineries too. So there, it is nice to just in the dead of winter, get away and have even, I mean, the mountains are just as beautiful when they're quiet and in the wintertime. So it's a great destination year round. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about the wintertime in a cabin and make a big roaring fire mm-hmm. and watch it rain and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Now, do your wineries do big events like at Memorial Day and Thanksgiving weekend? Do they have big open house weekend there? Well, pre-COVID, yes. So yes, okay. um, they would have like in August, quite a few of them would do grape stomping or when the season to pick the grapes, there's always different events going on. We have a, a wine weekend where people can buy a passport and go on their own to the different vineyards over multiple weekends. And uh, downtime is the month of December, but I'm hoping to change that with intimate office parties. We've all, that hasn't, December has been one of our least busiest months, but I'm hoping to change that this year. So for a small office party or a small gathering to spend the day together, I'm hoping. um, You you know, that's a really good idea, especially for people who may have been working from home, isolated Uh all this time to be able to get together at least, at least for a holiday gathering that's safe and well distanced. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sounds like your businesses haven't closed down a lot there as ours really sort of have closed down quite a bit here. Yeah. Just to be able to get out and socialize with each other is a huge need as well. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do any of the driving yourself? I do. 
Uh In the beginning, I did. Right. I did a lot in the beginning, but it's not really my cup of tea. And I like to interact with people. So driving, I'm very lucky that we didn't end up in a cow pasture or ravine. So because I'm I'm a hands-on and just I love to be with the people. I will meet the groups now. But and you know what? If there's an emergency situation, I'll be driving. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, but I think I figured at this point you're probably ideally you're too busy to to be able to take the whole day away from the phones and drive when what you need to be is creating more business. Obviously, I'm guessing you have to have a chauffeur's license, correct? It's not just a normal driver's license. So um, we do have a chauffeur's permit for our smaller vehicles, which are under eight passengers and then our other buses that are between 12 and 14 do not need a special permit but if you're if there's over 16 they do and so I only have one bus that holds 16 so this is open and those were these were all things that I did research on what's the easiest to drive what in the beginning what number is comfortable with us what number can wineries hold and so we found that number 14 is a magical number with groups and and vehicles and so yeah I've got a great team so we have two full-time and then we have I think around seven part-time drivers maybe eight so we have quite a few and that's been really good most of them all have other jobs. And so they are able to rotate around and it's been enjoyable. Probably a lot of your business is weekend as well. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's mostly yeah. weekend. So yeah. We're when really people are off work and yeah. sure. Okay. Christina, we are going to place your contact information in the show notes today. And I'm hoping that our listeners will reach out to you, book a wine tour in Northern Georgia. And best of luck to you. I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased to have had the opportunity to speak to you. Same here. I really appreciate the This has been absolutely great. Really fun to, to get to know you. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.